0: the way out podcast episode 187
1: starting a 12-step inspired program for healthy love is very much about my story i always felt a 12-step recovery should be for everyone. Healthy love was my journey. I'm a therapist and I'm a, I'm a love coach and a relationship therapist, a transformational therapist. I was raised with a lot of love poured into me, but a lot of confusion. From the time I was like 13 to the time I was 18, I was a wild child and I'm a dancer, and so I was always at clubs and I was, you know, just part of the whole scene. And so by the time I was 18, uh, I, I was, kind of burnt out and I took myself to a transformational seminar called Est, which is now Landmark. And that began my whole transformational journey. I ended up going to a 12-step meeting to support a cousin. I didn't really know anybody here. and I knew I belonged. I'm a great therapist because I actually love the emotional landscape um, and I don't resist pain. I actually uh, welcome the going into the dark, uh, whether it's grief, whether it's pain, whether it's the trauma of knowing that there's gold in the dark and that, that, that that's where we heal. We can not heal what we can't feel. And so, but we do so many things to cover that up because we don't want to feel that. But when you can come to a place where half the work, maybe 90% of the work is breaking through the resistance to it saying, I shouldn't feel this way, it shouldn't be this way, I don't want this, I don't wanna feel this, all that pushing away. The lifelong process, just like the 12 steps have three maintenance steps. I think there is, I can honestly say at 59 years old, that, uh, and doing all this work, I today am a mature adult. I was not a mature, I, I can actually say today, I'm a mature adult, and that it was not easy it's taken me years to say that, and I can honestly feel good about that today. Instead of chasing the one day fantasy, one day when I have the relationship, the body, the job, the money, the recovery, the whatever it is that you think is going to make you happy, that's all a big chase. It's really not what fulfills us. Maybe for a moment we have that satisfaction, but what really fulfills us is becoming who we want to be and by cultivating the two qualities that you want to work on that you want to develop and nurture i chose my two favorite qualities inspired and creative and i have been inspired and creative every day falling in love isn't the journey see there are people who are love addicts and romance addicts that love that stage of relationship and just keep leaving a relationship the minute that they start getting triggered and that because that's where the work begins but that's the work of relationship that you're meant to do together with a partner and uh, so that's the work that I do with uh, partners is that are committed to doing their work in service of the relationship and knowing that their relationship has this hidden agenda and that they've met the Perfect person that's going to frustrate them the most and least be able to give them what they need, and that they're wow. meant to grow and develop themselves along the way, so that they can grow into the who they need to be and to get the love that they want. That's the work. We don't know what to do in relationship with that, and how to deal with that, and how to how to identify our triggers, how to uh, process it. Uh, and then how to identify what the need is, and how to communicate it. And so we tend to either retreat and shut down, or attack. As low as you've gone, and as dark as you are, as as high as you go, and as light as you are, and that somewhere you live in the balance.
0: Welcome, way out faithful and first timers, to this week's installment of the Way Out Podcast. We appreciate your ears. Our mission is simple to bring you powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics so you can jumpstart or re-energize your recovery from alcoholism and addiction. The Way Out podcast does not speak on behalf of nor are we affiliated with any 12-step organization. The Way Out podcast partners with all recovery rings and all recovery rings Dot com where you'll find stunning recovery rings made from your very own recovery coin That's all recoveryrings.com The way out podcast is a proud supporter of transitions daily Would you like to join a free anonymous online group? that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about Transitions Daily. Don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. Make sure to check us out on the web at www.wayoutcast.com. There you can subscribe to ensure you get the latest episodes first on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Help us recover out loud by giving us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Your voice matters, so share your thoughts on recovery with us by calling us at 218-382-1960 or leaving a message with us on the Anchor app, available for Android and Apple. Every week we'll be asking for your thoughts on next week's topic someone somewhere needs to hear your share finally a word of caution this podcast may contain strong language and mature content listener discretion is advised the way out podcast is on right now i'm charlie and this week jason's got an absolutely terrific interview with transformational and imago relationship therapist love coach and licensed mental health counselor, Rachel Levy. Rachel shares with us about her journey, her practice and her creation, the 12 steps of healthy love. We learn about the four pillars of her recovery program that is designed to be accessible to all. Rachel shares her truth with us as well as an abundance of spiritual, emotional and transformational wisdom which is all centered in love. Get ready, Way Outcasters. Rachel is a total powerhouse, a modern-day sage who's got insight and spiritual truth to spare. And we're about to dive headfirst into the deep well of a bona fide love guru. So listen up.
2: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Way Out podcast. My name's Jason. I'm your trusty co-host. I'm here with Rachel Levy. She's a love coach. Say hi everyone.
1: Hi everyone.
2: Rachel's awesome. She, uh, I first met her on intherooms.com. Um, she does a healthy love meeting on there and I've learned a lot from this woman and I know there's so much more I can learn and I know there's a lot of you out there listening that can learn. That maybe haven't even heard of her. So I'm stoked to have you on the show today. And I'm really thinking you're going to blow some minds with uh, the work that you do and, and kind of how it works. Um, <clears throat> before we get into that, though, I want to like take some time like so we can like get to know you like, tell us about you and tell us about kind of your story.
1: Thank you, Jason. Well, in mm-hmm. with the healthy love meeting uh starting a 12-step inspired program for healthy love is very much about my story and why why i even did that uh why my journey took me to wanting to create a, a 12-step program for everyone because i always felt the 12-step recovery should be for everyone uh and right. that uh and that healthy love was my journey uh more than any other you know in my teens I I, so okay so here's my story in a (laughs) nutshell (laughs) uh I like to you know I'm a therapist and I'm I'm a love coach and a relationship therapist a transformational therapist and my big running joke when people ask me when I began is I always say when I was eight years old and my first couple were my parents and that I'm an only child and that uh I was born into their story, and uh, I was born right into the 60s, December 30th, 1960, and uh, that I spent, and then my parents moved from New York to, and so our stories, I think, are very shaped by our family's story, and so, you know, my mother came from the Lower East Side, uh, very religious, Jewish religious family, but in poverty, her mother was schizophrenic, uh, and, and her father was just religiously fanatic. All he wanted to do was pray, and so she really didn't have much, but she had this incredible faith. And then um, she married my father, who had his whole story. He was idealistic, but then he became uh, um, what happens when you lose your idealism, not jaded, but um, he, he went off to the Navy and he came back, and his wise guy uncle had taken the family home and so he didn't want to be like his father who was kind of weak and mild mannered. And he became more like his uncle. Cause if you can't beat him, you join him and became more like a wise guy. Right. And so <laughs> he moved to LA on their honeymoon. They got married on, on Valentine's day and they traveled to LA and I was born, uh, nine months later. And so our story played out together and, and that my story was really shaped, uh, and being raised in l a, being raised, my father was pretty uh, corrupted, but he was also an amazing. He was so smart and so charming, and he loved us, mm-hmm. but he was also a rager and could go from zero to sixty and rage. And so I was raised in a very emotionally volatile, Household with my mom, who was a Pollyanna sunshine, and if it was dark outside, she'd say the sun is coming out. And <laughs> so uh, she, so I was raised with a lot of love poured into me, but a lot of confusion. And so, and my dad smoked, it was a big cigarette smoker, smoked Lucky like strikes. I used to break his cigarettes until 12 years old I started to smoke cigarettes. And then, um,
2: <laughs> that's like me, I was like five. I remember being five, breaking my mom's cigarettes, flushing down the toilet. And I'm like, smoking dicky, mom, it's bad for you. And I was like, I'll never smoke. And then, yeah, I was like it eleven years old. I was army crawling in her room when she was sleeping, Steve Army
1: crawling. Cigarettes and shit. Yeah, dude. Like <laughs> I I get it. Yeah. I know. i have snuck in there and I used to take the happy hooker. I remember there I used to do all taste steal cigarettes or whatever. so I understand is it what's a happy a hooker. Oh, it was uh <laughs> it was like a porn a a porn book. Of okay. a soft porn story. I'm just saying I I, I got these things very young. Yeah. And because I got these things very young I also started acting out very young. So from the time I was like 13 to the time I was 18, I was a wild child and I'm a dancer. And so I was always at clubs and I was, you know, just part of the whole scene. And so by the time I was 18, uh, I, I was kind of burnt out. And I took myself to a transformational seminar called Est, which is now Landmark. And that began my whole transformational journey. And so I've, I've really been a seeker my whole life. I believe that uh, I think addicts in general are uh, are very sensitive souls, and 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 that um, I, and that what we need, you know, I, I wasn't my my addiction, my recovery, my uh, my healthy self. Uh, was really learning how to understand what the shadow is, and and be, go through this transformational journey of this of doing transformation. And then I did. I moved to Florida from LA after a failed engagement, and uh, uh, my father said, "We're going to do something amazing." He got me a business in Florida, in Miami, and because my mom always wanted to come here, and and so my that's where my destiny took me from the west coast to the east coast um here and i really feel like i came here to not only bring consciousness the west coast consciousness to the east coast um, but i really do feel like my destiny was here and when i got here i ended up going to a 12-step meeting to support a cousin i didn't really know anybody here and i knew i belonged and and that knowing uh, from what i was hearing i went to a meeting called miracles happen where I actually met who is the man who's going to become my husband, so my journey, um, my divinely guided journey, I want to say, uh, was really going from L.A. getting involved in transformation, coming here, spending 12 years in recovery. My first friend was Debbie Ford, and then years later, she left to become the emotional educator for Deepak Chopra, and she developed the Shadow Process. And I joined her and became a modern-day missionary. And she really believed you could heal addiction through embracing your shadow, through knowing what the shadow is. Right. And so that 12 years with her of developing her work, producing her work in Miami, producing the shadow process, supporting her and writing her first few books, uh, and really at that point I became a therapist. And I was doing shadow work and transformational work. And then, and then, I was still fighting in my relationship with my husband. And years later, twelve years later, and right. so I, I, became a student of Imago Relationship Therapy, yeah. and that became the fourth pillar in what I have to teach.
2: Yeah, I love, I love the things you teach. Like I miss doing your meeting every week uh, when I, <laughs> I used to attend it regularly. I mean, I had a almost a whole notebook of notes that I took, and it, it was. <clears throat> you taught me a lot of stuff, a lot of cool stuff, like about, you know, you said embracing your shadow, right? Like I think another yeah. way you put it is calling it like our wounded self, right?
3: Yeah, isn't that right?
2: Yeah, if I remember right. And you you'd said something one time. You were talking about like your inner child, Yes. And it it's like a wounded self, right? Or yeah or like your wounded self is part of your inner child or something like that.
3: Well,
1: I can't
2: remember. (laughs) Maybe explain that. Do
1: you want, do you want me to explain that? Yes. Okay. That'd be great. So, uh, thank you. And so that our, our, so our shadow process and our wounded self and, and, uh, begins as a child. And, that we don't only have one child. We have we have a lot of children in us because of different ages, right? Mm-hmm. And we have the child, we have the teen. And our wounded self is our hurt self and our inner child, our inner self, our, our shadow is made up of all these different parts of us. Right. And so uh, our wounded self became wounded not only by what happened to us, uh, because yes, somebody could be uh, molested, or somebody could be raised in a violent household, or have had an addicted parent, or been a parent that died, and or or a sibling that got too much attention. Whatever, What wounds us isn't necessarily only what happens to us uh, growing up as a child, but it's what we make it mean that becomes the wound. And what we make it mean about ourselves and the decisions we make on an emotional level and so, healing kind of like
2: your perception is your reality, kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Well, what we believe is what we create, and so right. yeah, perception. Yeah, say that again the way you said it. Our perception your is perception
2: our reality. Your
1: perception is your reality. Yeah. Yes. Our de- the, the unconscious decisions we made shapes our perception. So if I think the world isn't safe or people are going to cheat me or you're going to leave me or you think I'm stupid or nobody cares about me, let's just say those are a few of the beliefs of our wounded selves, of our wounded child, then we will keep creating that story over and over again and until we come back to that child and help that child heal and say, listen, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And I'm here for you now. And we show up as the adult to our child.
2: That right there is what you taught us, right? You, you were talking about it and in a way of like you need to sit with it and that you need to get to know it. And you said something in that, that week's meeting about naming it. You said you should name it because yes. you, then it, you gain like a familiarity with it. And I did this exercise um, with you. Uh, as we did the meeting, you know, you did kind of like a quiet, little guided, t- quiet time. Um, oh, I remember, I was crying, and and I was like, I, I named JJ because that was what people called me when I was a kid. And boy, and I'm not saying that this was like an instant thing or or like a magic, like everything's healed. Trust me, I got wounds, and believe me, what you just explained a little bit ago about how we will keep creating that story again and again. I I just had a relationship that kind of just went down in the dumps and I I gave up on it and I shut down. And I'm sure that was a lot to do with exactly what you just said, you know. So, yeah. I mean, I have my scars that I haven't dealt with or or that I still um, let kind of take the wheel. And I know yes. I'm guilty of, of those things you said, but yeah. that may... That doing that exercise with you for the first time in a long time I felt this overwhelming peace in me and and I really did feel like you know I finally was giving myself some of the love that I so freely give to other people but I can never give to myself you know
3: yes
2: that was an awesome uh that was what I was trying to kind of bring up so I love how you know I kind of brought up a vague kind of, and then you start explaining it, and there it was, man, there it was. There it
1: is, and there it is. And I I, can I just take it one step deeper? You can
2: go as deep as you want. Yeah, I just had to chime in.
1: (laughs) Well, you are, because you're taking it deep. You're taking it deep with me, and you shared your process. And so I just want to, for anyone who's listening, to help understand that process of dropping Mm -hmm. in, You know that process of that internal dialogue, not the internal dialogue that we have in our mind chatter, um that critic, the judge, not that dialogue, the deeper dialogue. They call here in
2: Minnesota. They call it the committee. The the itty bitty shitty committee. committee. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, Got it. You've heard Um, it. The
1: itty bitty (laughs) shitty committee. Oh yeah, yeah. There has. Listen, I'm. I've been on this path a long time. It's hard. There's a lot I haven't heard.
3: For so, sure, I bet. Know. I bet. <laughs> uh,
1: so, uh, and I still get new ones, which I love. Nice. Um, but that, yeah, but that the the dropping in, the process of dropping in, uh, that quiet process that we get guided into to go within. And to drop into our inner world, into that sacred, safe space, which I guided you into in that process, and right. the group, the healthy love group. And, and to drop in there and to go to meet that part of you, which was JJ, and go meet that child. And to meet that child from who you are today, which is the relationship of self to self. That's the inner relationship. And that is why healthy love begins within, in having this relationship with you, with ourselves, and, ha- and and hosting a dialogue. And in that dialogue, whatever you dialogued with JJ, by holding him and connecting with him, you came to know a peace because of this reconnection with yourself and giving yourself the love that you need, that you give to everyone else. And you so freely give that. And yet we need to be guided to go within and give it to ourselves. And that process is the shadow process. That process is that healthy love process. And yes, it's about naming it. And that there are hundreds of parts of ourselves. And when we give them a name, and we name it and claim it and tame it. That's the embracing it, right? Uh, yes. when we, <laughs> that, that, that's how we put our arms. That's how we, we stop hating. You know, if we had a part of ourselves that was a liar or a part of ourselves that was foolish or a part, like whatever it is. And I'm going to bring it back to you giving up on this relationship that you just gave up, that you had given up on that connects back to your story. You know that part of you that gave up, we can do shadow work right here right now. We can do this process. Uh, I, I know that's not what we're here for. Um, <laughs> but, we're, <laughs> but right. we're here we're here actually to identify that you named that, that you identified it, and you know that it was you giving up, and it was part of your story past, of your history, of your wounded story. And that acknowledging that, now, if I, we were working together, of course, we would explore what that is, what that repetition is, because it's probably another part of you, another part of you coming up to be healed.
2: Right. Yeah. Like, for real, I think, you know, that that other time it was maybe like the younger, like the sexually abused me, you know, or, right. or uh, the me that had to go live with family because, you know, the, I woke up, and the cops were raiding my house, you know, because my mom got in trouble, and I was like confused and didn't understand what was happening, you know and freaked out and di- and it didn't feel safe, you know, but yeah. that's that was the you know a totally different part for sure, for sure, <laughs> you know,
1: yeah, but even here's the amazing thing, Jason, is that that lives in our being, that lives in your being. Like a, like a well-worn groove of not being safe and that trauma those different ex- traumatic experiences that, that built the unsafe, the lack of safety that I'm right. not safe that gets triggered in relationship. And so it, we will be triggered. And so to go there and there is no greater trigger than a relationship
3: right. to
1: trigger us. And so that's what you're saying. You're saying, yes, no, nothing like that is happening in the moment. It wasn't that dramatic or possibly traumatic, yet the reaction to what was coming up tapped into that place.
2: That's a trauma-based response, right? Right. Right. Yeah. And it's so common. And I think it's... It's like when I did my step work, right? You know, you do like the fifth step and you're getting these uh truths dropped on you, these bombs, and they're calling you on your stuff and maybe you don't even believe it, you you know, and it's hard to swallow those pills of truth and it's hard to like, it takes time to like process it and then accept it to be fact. and And like, that's what changes our reality ultimately in yeah. that process. But doing it is like, you know, you don't understand. And you just feel like, I know when I did my fifth step, the first time I thought I had, cause I went to therapy for like almost a year. I was like, I think I'm in a really good place. And like all the fifth step did to me, was really exposed that stuff that it was still right where I put it. It was doing exactly why, what I put it there to do, you know, right. these defense mechanisms that come up, uh, were just as strong as ever they were super powerful and it scared shit out of me you know I was like what's going on I uh, yeah. thought I was for you know in a better place than this and I guess as much as that hurts and as hard as it is it's a good thing though right to know to know in that moment that you know that kind of knocks you down a peg or two and it that's where our humility comes from and that's part of what makes it possible for us to grow and and recover in general is is knowing that I need work right Sometimes yeah, we can think that we're in a better place than we really are. We need those things.
1: Well, that's the collapsing of the duality. I think you were in a better place. And a psyche doesn't give us more than we can handle. And being able to face the hard parts and the hard things is challenging. And right. had you not been in, in a better place, you wouldn't have been able to do it. And that it's an ongoing process. And it is the design of the ego to make wrong. It's a right-wrong reality in the ego. Right. And so uh, good, bad, good, bad, right, wrong. And conscious work collapses and shadow work collapses that duality to say both both exist. Wow. And uh, you are better. You are better. And it is painful. And it yeah. does suck. And
3: that's kind of comforting get,
1: <laughs> you do get triggered into yeah good i hope it is comforting it yeah. needs to be comforting because it's an ongoing journey jason as you For have sure. said sure. and the idea that we're like done is is so sad because it's like going to the gym and say well i'm done look at the body i built you yeah. know then you know and then you know then you
2: lose the beach bod because you replace it,
1: the, right? Then exactly, and then then you go through having to rebuild it, and it's the same thing with our healing in our consciousness, and that we will continue to meet uh, difficult parts of ourselves or old parts of ourselves that will come back up. The ego is what mm-hmm. you're talking about. The ego, the, the ego identity, not our true self, our authentic self but our ego self that you're saying needs humility to be flattened. It does not like to look at itself in the places where it's already decided that's bad. Don't go there. That's wrong. Don't go there. You're not bad. And so having that broken down, you know, that, that takes the work of the heart warrior to be on that path and to have the courage to face yourself and the hard parts that the fifth step and the sixth and the seventh step. And the, I mean that this work, this journey of development right. demands right. of us to be conscious beings. If that's our choice.
2: Yeah. And sometimes that's going to hurt, right? Sometimes it's going to suck. What is it? Brené yeah. Brown says that we can embrace the suck.
1: <laughs> we can embrace the suck. Well, exactly. We, we, you know, I love crying. And I, you know, I'm a great therapist because I actually love the emotional landscape. Um, and I don't resist pain. I actually, uh, welcome the going into the dark, uh, whether it's grief, whether it's pain, whether it's the trauma of knowing that there's gold in the dark and that, that, that that's where we heal. We can't heal what we can't feel. And so but we do so many things to cover that up because we don't want to feel that. But when you can come to a place where half the work, maybe 90% of the work is breaking through the resistance to it, saying, I shouldn't feel this way. It shouldn't be this way. I don't want this. I don't want to feel this, all that pushing away.
2: Yeah. It's that first step, right? That, uh, yeah. take you have to take the step into fear you know you feel the fear and everything in your body wants to recoil from taking the step and if you can take that step that's that's what you're talking about that's and i say that all the time you know everything you want is on the other side of fear you think that it's going to be this great mountaintop that you can't you know it's an insurmountable odd and you cannot overcome this thing and that it's going to be so shitty if you even try And really what happens is you take that step and maybe put the the next foot in front of the other and you, you overcome it, you know, and and not only that, but you go, it's just like when I did my steps, man, that wasn't that bad. Like if I would have known that I could do that, you know, I would have did it so long ago.
3: Exactly.
2: It's so I think our fear, we make the mountains out of molehills, you know?
1: Well, exactly. I was just going to say, and you, you just led right into it, is that we're the meaning makers. And the meaning we give things is the experience we'll have. And it's up to us to challenge the meaning we give something and that what feels insurmountable, you know, just like we're going through right now, I just have to say, going through this pandemic, the coronavirus, and um, each one of us has our own, each one of us is a whole world unto ourselves that has our own experience by the meaning we give what's happening. You know, you just said, That you ended up changing your job and you got a better job, and you know some good things are happening for you. Uh, You know, I am actually uh, loving this time, and you know, I haven't suffered the loss. I I know, you know, I know loss has happened. I know somebody has had that loss, Um, so it's holding the space of compassion for that. Um, But for the most part. If we are blessed to be healthy and well and and live in a, a good place and have food and have you know what we need right now, um, that we can make this the worst time or we can make it the best time, but how we what we make it mean, and I think that that's true in life that what we're going through can be the worst thing. Or the best thing, it's how we hold it. And even the hardest, if you you hold the hardest things that we've gone through and see the good that has come through it, then even that knowing helps, we we, we help bring that into the meaning today and say, you know what, this is the opportunity for me. I'm going through this because I'm going to get some really important things that I need to right now and I'm going to use this time for that.
2: Right. Yeah. This has been a, like, I. that's just one of the things like the job thing is just like one of the good things. Like I, I feel like it's been a massive blessing in my life. I mean, I, it caused me to dig more, you know, deeper into, into the word of God. It's, it, you know, cause people were expressing to me the need, you know, for, you know, more, more, you know, of, of this, of the of the word and and of like just community with other believers kind of thing so i've been leading like private bible studies and mm-hmm. you know still doing my regular bible study and man i i just started like all of a sudden kind of having epiphanies regarding my finances and it's just been like all sorts of cool stuff's been happening and I'm like, so like filled to the brim lately with this hope that I haven't felt like a hope like that since I was like on that pink cloud, like four years ago, you know what I mean? Like or three and a half years ago. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's been a really sweet time and I've been able to help a lot of people and I've been reaching out like never before for help for me, you know, cause we all need it. Right. It's not Absolutely. a one way you can't pour from an empty cup. And I, i i'm yeah i'm grateful for it i i also know some people who are affected and and i pray for them and i i feel for them and it's it's definitely like i can see the fear and and i know i just feel bad for the people who are seem to be crippled by that fear you know what i mean
1: yes yes
2: because nothing I can say, there's no magic pill that I can do to, to help ease their pain, you know, or their suffering through it. So,
1: yeah, and being crippled by fear, you know, coming back to fear and um, how, how potent that fear can be. Mm. Um, and that if we're fearful by nature, if we were raised by fear, that's also a well-worn groove. Uh, growing in a, up in a culture that was fearful and worried or told you, don't go there, or, don't do that, or what, you know, and and, and so that shapes us and uh, living in a society that carries on fear messages. And, and so, you know, you talk about building your faith and that that faith that you have, that deep faith that you have and your devotion to that faith, Rises raises you up above the primitive brain, the primitive reptilian brain, the uh, triune brain, the uh, the amygdala, and the um, the the base of from the base of our skull um, that all works together, and uh, is our survival response. Mm. And many people are living in total survival and 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 therefore living in fear and projecting fear onto life and to their relationships and their their circumstances and so the elevation that we talk about you know in the healthy love or in imago developmental theory of this conscious this pre this this prefrontal cortex the neocortex that allows us to be witness that brings us to our higher self, our conscious self, that allows us to shift up into uh, a, a witness, a place of witness, a place of love, a place of seeing from a higher perspective. Um, is also part of what prayer does.
2: What do they that call it? that's like observing, right? Like
1: that's your observer. That's your obser- That's your ability to observe. That's the right. witness, the observer. Uh, that can um, make sense that actually looks to connect the dots and sees the bigger picture and can uh, put all the pieces of information together and order it in a new way not out of the primitive brain of danger but out of the conscious mind of a, a higher order of things and so you know that's our conscious work and understanding that our emotional experience and the stories we tell uh shape the meaning we shapes our wounded self and so our work is really to revisit and rewire and remember and actually create change the narrative
2: like assign stories. assign a new meaning
1: right assign a new meaning and to see things From a higher perspective of, again, I want to say compassion, empathy, love. That says, "Well, this is the best. This was the best thing you could do at the time. Maybe you know, this is this is what you needed to go through. Because look what you learned. And so, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, embrace that baby. Embrace that baby, and uh, thank that baby for being immature or innocent or naive or blocked or programmed badly and uh and know that that we have the power to change history and and it's never too late to have a happy childhood in the present in the sense that uh, you know we can reframe it right we can bring yeah we can bring our innocent self back and love that part of ourselves and not shame Mm. it anymore we can. I can bring my slutty self back from my teens that I shamed myself over and say, you know what? Those were your experiences and and I'm not going to shame you anymore for that. Right. Um, I'm going to, you know, make sense and, and have compassion that that was your path. And you know what? You had a lot of really, you go watch movies and you don't judge them for doing those slutty things, you know? It's like- right. You know, it's like, okay, so give yourself a break. And that was your experience. And and it actually, you know, uh, the fact that I got raped because of the way I was dressed and I blamed myself because of the way I was dressed until I did shadow work and had to forgive myself for that.
3: I know a lot of uh, and,
2: women who have that, um, the complicit, they they have that shame because they felt that they were complicit in it or yeah. that they did something, yeah, to welcome
1: it. Yeah. You. Well, and in some way in some way, I did I didn't have healthy boundaries of self it's in some ways, I was hitchhiking in some I was you know coming home late at night from a concert and in some ways i I was unsafe and didn't protect myself and right. so uh, I have to forgive my wild child, my dangerous self my uh, you know uh that got into bad situations and and that was saved and spared and survived and see the miracle of it and see how i've been able to help others who have gone through that from my experience and that's the nine, that's the promises that's me knowing that my experience can help others right and so it was worth going through it
2: i always like tell people in uh like the 12 step rooms I'm like this is probably the only place where the more fucked up of a person you are the more valuable you are the more you can help people
1: that's for sure like the worst people
2: are the best it's the weirdest thing but it is true and it's um I think it's because then you just have that uh more that much more of a wealth of experience to draw from right that you can relate to more people in a specific and unique way
1: absolutely and like that duality as low as you've gone and as dark as you are is as high as you go and as light as you are and that somewhere you live in the balance say that that. again as low as you go and as dark as you are is as high as you can go and as light as you are and we live in the and we live in the balance
2: that's that's awesome you know that's one thing too if you guys Check out this show, Healthy Love. It's Thursday nights at what? 8 p.m. Central? Nine at 9.
1: nine oh, it's 8 Central, right? Eight nine central. Eastern. 9 Miami Times-0. Right. It's, it's
3: my time.
2: It is. <laughs> yeah, it's your time. Uh, 9,
3: eight
1: But
2: no, this, the, dude, Rachel has the most awesome one-liners, you know, like that name it, claim it, tame it. And it, and it, it just, that was exactly. another one. And there's so many of them, honestly, like when you – if you if you start hitting that up you'll see what i mean and yeah i'm sure you're going to get more of them in this show too cuz you got you. just these awesome things that you say that really like stuck with me and, and you know they're helpful and they're they are
1: helpful because you know that's how our brain gets it you know it's like if something's like clicks it's pithy and it it just clicks yeah. then it shifts you it's really transformational language and one thing i will add as a uh, another uh, plug for healthy love is that healthy love is a, healthy love is a language and uh, just like recovery is a language and that's what recovery gave the world. Recovery gave the world a language of easy does it one day at a time, let go and let God. Yeah. I mean, it, the, I, I didn't get these sayings. Some of them may have come through me, but they are built on a bedrock of foundation that I've gotten of the integration of the work of the paths that I've been blessed to journey and recovery as this great path that I've been able to walk and return to and teach in and teach from.
2: Yeah. Well, it's like when I went first started going to meetings and I'd look at those sayings on the wall and I'd be like, what does that even mean? Like, so right. stupid. And right. it, then, you know, it's it. I mean? Easy does
1: yeah, it. What easy does it?
2: life is fucking hard. Yeah, and right. then all of a sudden I'd be like, one right. day I did enough work and I'd start these things. All of a sudden I would read them and they had a deep personal significance to me because I experienced that through my journey and or my exactly. healing journey. Uh, yes. Man that's the coolest fucking feeling ever because you're all of a sudden like you know like when I didn't want to punch the people that were laughing and seemed like they were having fun in the face right. anymore and I, <laughs> I wanted to laugh with them I was like oh right. you guys are awesome that was great it's so great And I'm too. like wait what the hell am I doing I'm like one of them now you know
1: I'm one of them I know exactly and you know it's so funny I went before when you were talking about fear because I'm just thinking about all the acronyms and all of the I call it recovery wisdom and uh, all, all the truths. recovery wisdom. And, and uh, I love fear. And fear has, uh, you know, it, the acronym of fear, which we have heard in many ways, which is fuck everything and run. Right. Um, and or face everything and recover or false evidence appearing real and, or, but really facing everything and recovering our healthy, whole self that can laugh and can have joy, and can cry, and can have grief, and can be in relationship, and can develop and mature into a healthy, whole adult. And that is our path, to be our authentic, whole, healthy selves.
2: I love it. Lifelong process.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I try to remind Well, myself
1: I think, sometimes. I think, yeah, I think that, I think that the lifelong process, just like the 12 steps have three maintenance steps. Mm. I think there is, I can honestly say at 59 years old that, uh, and doing all this work, I today am a mature adult. I was not a mature, I, I can actually say today, I'm a mature adult and that was not easy. It's taken me years to say that, and I can honestly feel good about that today. And so I'm still on the journey. I get to be in service, and and yeah. so I'm still getting to push through uh, my own barriers to the next level, uh, as I'm doing now with you and putting the curriculum to the Healthy Love Program and becoming, you know, putting the organization to the work. Uh, that's a whole next level of my growth. So oh, How long a,
2: have you been doing the show uh, or the meeting on? It's not a show. Uh, well, it's a freaking yeah, meeting. It's, it's really a group, meeting. community. I know.
1: It, is, it, it is, but, I mean, it's treated like a show because it's not. But it, since October, uh, it's been this year. It'll be the fifth year. I started in 2015. Wow. And so this is the year that I'm now. Oh, and that's another gift I want to just share with you. That like you were saying, there's so many gifts of this time. And I really believe that. I really believe we're going through a global shift. And uh, for, I'm calling it for a virtually connected reality because people are getting virtually connected that never were afraid to do this or be on Zoom or to be on FaceTime.
2: Dude, they're still, they're still hanging. You know, And a good addict doesn't let go of anything that doesn't have claw marks in it, as my co-host Charles always says. <laughs> and, uh, this is what people are doing. They won't let go of it. I, I still hear people, you know, whining. It's like they're complaining all day long about how miserable they are and how online meetings don't work for them. You know what, dude? What does recovery teach us? We do What is necessary, right? Not what is comfortable. You know, you gotta make. And
1: maybe, and maybe this is a whole new medium. And what you're, what they're afraid of, is what Mm -hmm. they've been resisting. And that's usually what it is. And Mm -hmm. that we're being challenged. That is, isn't that what what the complaints are about? Is being outside the comfort zone. Oh yeah. And change the power that 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 that. We have to change. And this time is making us change. And that's the thing I want to come back to and say that I'm being forced to stay home because I am a mover and I love to keep going. And that by staying home, which I love my jewel box, uh, is really allowing me to do my work that I need to do for the Healthy Love Program. I'm writing. I'm doing a lot of the resources. I'm putting Ooh. the curriculum together. I'm actually doing what needed to be done in 2020, and you know, just God, good orderly direction. Uh,
2: Probably needed to be done a while ago, right? Like, yeah, like, like it really, last year. It or did
1: it, it needed to be done like five years ago? Right. Um, and and now is the time. And so, uh, how so you're not, you're it? not
2: actually actively like uh, still doing your practice. Your, your oh, I job? am
1: still actively doing my practice. Uh, and, and I do it from home and I do it from my office. Um, I, I am actually still doing my practice, but I have That's a very great. precious practice. I don't have an insurance practice where I'm just taking a lot of people. I actually, you know, I have very, you know, people that select me and come to me and and then i have space and time to do the work that i need to do for help health, the healthy love program and that's what i'm doing right now is in the space between uh I'm, I'm doing the 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 writing the curriculum gathering the resource gathering uh the all the designing and all of that which is so fantastic and i'm loving it because the last thing i want to share with you jason is this that um, one of debbie's debbie ford's great books uh the the best year which is about creating your your best year uh and she wrote it in 2005 it was published it's so 15 years ago and uh, in creating our best year uh we identify and i've done this ever since 2005 and i, I did this with the healthy love group and uh is, uh, and I will do it every year from this point on, because I will be leading that group until the day I can't talk anymore, um, that, uh, I mean, that's how, when I'm in, I'm in, and I am so committed, uh, and that what of uh, the, uh, what Debbie Ford taught, in in it's, it's a coaching book, Creating Your Best uh, Year, and, uh, and then she has the best year cards that go along with it, and that Is identifying the two qualities that you want to feel at in in for your best year. That when you got when you get to the end of the year, if you'd cultivated those qualities, it would be your best year. Because instead of chasing the one day fantasy, one day when I have the relationship, the body, the job, the money, the recovery, the Whatever it is that you think is going to make you happy, that's all a big chase. It's really not what fulfills us. Maybe for a moment we have that satisfaction, but what really fulfills us is becoming who we want to be. And by cultivating the two qualities that you want to work on, that you want to develop and nurture in the year, really, and I'm saying this from a personal place, for so many years, Jason, because... You can see, I love to talk, and I was so busy talking, I didn't write my books. And so um,
2: <laughs> I know actually some people that have literally written books strictly by uh, recording themselves. you know, like
1: yeah, but see, I need to do I, I think it's happening now because you're recording this. this will become part of my book uh, because there you. It's go. Capturing it. Go and so it. this is the way I like to do it. I don't like monologue, I like dialogue. There you and go. so um, <laughs> I like, I like it shared. And so, but for year after year, the qualities that I would develop, would have to do with focus and discipline and organization. Like I told you, my mother's mother was schizophrenic. And so I raised my mother, my mother and I grew up together. And she poured all her love into me and I held her hand. And my dad, was fearless and refused and kind of balked at fear. And my mom just closed her eyes and handed me to my father like when I was a baby and let him take me into the ocean, which I'm so grateful. I'm such a water baby. But because my mom was so afraid, she she didn't want to pass her fear onto me. And that was an amazing thing. And I bless her for that. Mm. But because of not having the structure and organization be key factors in my growing up, Mm -hmm. Uh, I had to develop a lot of that on my own and I've spent years developing that and I've gotten much, I've gotten so much better at it. Uh, But this year, instead of focusing, instead of my two qualities being discipline or focus or um, perseverance or uh, organization, like those are the qualities, I, I chose my two favorite qualities inspired and creative and I have been inspired and creative every day and I am nurturing those two qualities and you cannot imagine the shit I'm getting done awesome yeah and it's not because I'm focusing on being organized or Mm folk you know it's because I'm focusing on being inspired and creative and putting the structure around it
2: right
1: and so have
2: you ever heard of the artist's way
1: Oh, yeah. so The Artist's Way was a recommendation before the shadow process, a three-day process, for people to do the Artist's Way. I've done several of them starting years ago. I know I've never done it. I just –
2: you made me think of it when you were explaining what you were just explaining, and I didn't know if you heard of it, so I figured you probably did.
1: Oh, yeah, because it would help you write um, by doing the three morning pages and doing the brain drain. She taught screenplay writers. I mean, that's what Julia Cameron did from the Artist's Way. That's why it's coming to you intuitively is because uh, Julia Cameron, who wrote The Artist's Way, uh, where that work came from was she's a writer and she had to help writers with writer's block. And that process uh, helped people not only with writer's block, but then what she discovered it is it helped people with block, being blocked and getting up in the morning as a a three week, as a process. um, And every morning before you even brush your teeth, uh, before you get up and put on your, your persona that you write for three pages, not.
2: Yeah. And it's like supposed to be like a random shit, right? Like just.
1: It's, it's just, it's brain drain.
2: It's not about being
1: profound. It's just allowing yourself to let, the writing let yourself to be expressed and here's the thing you know i'm a i'm a conscious mover in dance when we allow our and i and movement i get a lot of things that move in me and and therefore energy emotion energy is energy in motion expressing instead of repressing or suppressing so the ability see, see,
2: see you guys <laughs> just I, I don't know it's like catchy little things that just i'm like, like damn I don't know the stuff you say. Sorry.
1: Yeah, thank you, Jason. So <laughs> that, but that that is what the morning pages allows for is that unedited, unjudged brain drain in the morning of. And she has a journal, uh, and you do three pages in the morning, and it's a really profound healing process to get in touch with your sh- doing shadow work, actually. And that's why Debbie had us everyone do it before the shadow process started months before, and um,
2: wow, who, I didn't know I had no idea when I first brought that up that that was going to actually be that was part of you know your shadow work
1: connected the sha- connected to no shadow connected no clue work.
2: That's and so that weird. is the
1: divine mind you know I really believe that I really believe that we are so connected. And when we get into a conscious dialogue, which is part of what I teach as an immoral relationship therapist, but when we're connected in the way that we are right now, where we're on this, you know, odyssey, this journey of beginning somewhere and letting it take us where it wants to go and then ending up in a new place and transformed in the process by it, that we're connected and we're so connected that we're picking up on things that are in the ethers. And that you didn't know that I never. I don't even think I ever shared that at nope. a healthy love meeting. Definitely not. I know I haven't. So you didn't hear it there. No, you didn't hear it.
2: I heard about it through somebody. You know, I got. A, I know a lot of people that are in recovery, and a lot of people that you know utilize different things. You know, like yeah. I've since the beginning. You know, you you talked earlier about being a seeker, and like I've always been you know i think in my addiction i was a seeker i was seeking out new you know new chemicals yes. new habits new, new experiences whatever, and in yeah. in trying to find what felt good what works good and nothing ever fucking works good nothing <laughs> nothing well, that come fe- on.
1: it did it did for a moment
2: well i mean it, it did for a moment uh but you know like nothing that felt good lasted it was a very yeah. Instant gratification doesn't stick around. And I didn't well, know and anything it leaves, about and
1: it leaves you feeling bad. It right. leaves you feeling bad. So yeah.
2: and I didn't know anything about that. I didn't know what delayed gratification was till I yes. was in the program you know, in Amazing. the program. Amazing and uh person. and in therapy. And you yes. know, he was explaining that to me in my therapist's office, like what delayed gratification was and When he explained it, it like, just like this light bulb went off and I was like, oh dude. And I could literally relate it to a handful of things that had happened so far in the last, like that was in my first year being in recovery. So I mean, I had some slips, I had some falls, but I had some successes and some wins. And I was, I was uh, starting to make strides at that time. And I could, I could connect it to some of those strides, you know, like, because that sucked when I did it. Yeah. And I when I followed that suggestion, it sucked. And when I heard that yes. suggestion, it pissed me off. But then right. I felt the results of it and they were awesome. And then it actually turned into being a blessing in disguise. You know what I'm saying?
3: Yes, and then I, I do.
2: And it's just an over and over thing, you know, like I start to recognize that pain or or uncomfortableness, uh, whatever is like an opportunity to grow nowadays instead of like recoiling from it like a hot flame. And that's just part of the process.
1: And that, Jason, is the big mind shift. That belief right there, when you shift from resisting, because what we resist persists, to inviting it in. There may be a little resistance because, oh, you know, we brace against it. But then your mind kicks in and says, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. This. We know that this is an opportunity and you go into it because you created a new well-worn groove, a new well-worn groove called your recovery groove. And in your recovery groove, you face it and yeah. instead of running away from it. And yeah. that is the big mind shift of that, that creeps in when you commit, when you really commit. And you know the third step is all about committing. You know yeah. it's really saying I'm here, I'm in, I'm committed. Yeah. I'm here to do the work, and I'm showing up.
2: Dude, you you just like made sense of something that I just got goosebumps here.
1: I love that. Tell, um, tell us.
2: My earlier, I was trying to make sense of like why, because okay, like. On Friday, I had the opportunity to have the day off, right, from work. And, and it, it was an option. I could have worked. I actually wish I would have fucking worked. But maybe not. Maybe I needed to have the shitty experience I had on Friday to bring me to the light bulb moment that I had after, right? Like, so f- stay with me. I went to get a car. Right. Or or I was going to go look at some cars at uh, this dealership. My buddy works at and I'm like, all right, you know, I'll take the day off. I can go buy a car because I, you know, I figured I have plenty for a decent down payment, whatever. Um, But I also have pretty shitty credit. And apparently they wanted to use high pressure sales technique on me and like basically tell me that the only car, this is a huge ass car lot. There's so many cars, hundreds of cars. And they're like, only this one you're approved for this one. We got the green light for you to get finance on this one. And they wanted me to like pay double what I was looking for and for a payment and like 17% APR. And it was just like, uh, it wasn't so much the deal they put in front of me. Cause I get it, you know, but the finance guy was a completely like condescending asshole, really arrogant. And I'm like, this is some bullshit. So then I was like, Nope. And I left. And, uh, anyway, I end up, you know, I was mulling it over and yesterday it just kind of like a light bulb went off my head and I'm like, you know, I was looking at credit karma. I have one thing that's showing up on my credit. I'm like, it's a $1,200 bill. Um, I should like start a payment plan or something. Maybe I can settle it for less. So, and normally if I even start to think about finance shit, I have like an anxiety attack but i didn't this time i went i came home dude it was weird i i got it. first thing i did i went on the website for this bill collection agency and i it was like you can make an offer so i started at like 500 bucks for this $1200 bill and of course it was like denied then 525 denied 550 denied and when i got to 675 it's like congratulations you came to an agreement with us and i'm like oh hell yeah so i paid that shit Then I was trying to look up my student loans, even though I don't really have to worry about that until September, but I'm all of a sudden I'm on fire for this shit. Like I'm going to start facing my debt. Right. Uh, I don't know where the hell this came from. Uh, It's that, I think it's just like what you just said though, that recovery groove, right? Like for some reason, something made it, the finances slip into my recovery groove or something.
1: Yeah, totally. And that there wasn't any resistance because you're in action, you're, action. You're, you're you're in action and because you're in action of creating your life and getting a car cuz you can and because you have the money and because you have the job and because you are working your program and because you in that recovery groove of right. all the other shifts that you've made all the hard things that you've faced n- now What once would have been, oh, I don't want to deal with that. That almost doesn't, it's not there so much. So
2: it has been though recently. Yeah. Like literally I've been talking for a year and a half about starting to face the debt. I made, I went through all my bills and I put them in a bag and I was like, I got uh, this dude that leads my Bible study group. I'm like, I got them in (laughs) i I'm like, I got the bag. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I made a bag of my bills.
1: You literally have the bag.
2: I'm like, I'm going to bring them over sometime and we're going to go through them and we're going to start, like, we're going to make the list and we're going to start this debt snowball uh, process. Okay. That was almost two years ago.
1: Well, you know what? It is a process, Jason.
2: Uh, From that
1: time, from that time to this time, you've done a lot of other work. Right. And it's just, we don't know, you know, I love this. You know, I learned that, that we plant seeds. It's springtime. I love talking about seed yeah. planting.
3: Right. Um, so, <laughs>
1: so uh, that, that the bamboo, you plant the seed. It sometimes it takes seven years for that seed to shoot through the ground. It doesn't mean it was not growing
2: bamboo and that's like one of the hardest right strongest things or something
1: yeah it's there's a lot to bamboo but i want to just say that for you you planted the seed of handling your finances like you put it in a bag two years ago and friday was the day
2: that's so awesome I love the way you like frame stuff. It like works for me. Uh, I was like, yeah. So anyway, it doesn't end there. I first, I did that. I set that up now. I'm like the, that's the only thing showing on the credit report only because of coronavirus and the cares act, which made all federal student loans come out of collections. So they're not, that's not on my credit report right now. Uh, you know, you're not required to pay towards those right now until September, 2020. But if you choose to pay between now and September, 2020, that's a 0% interest rate. So 100% of your payments go towards the principal of those student loans right now until September. So I'm going to set up. And how much do you owe? It's like seven grand. So, so I'm, I'm going to set up and I tried kind of already, but I had to dig through my papers and I found, I finally found the thing that the most recent one that actually told me everything I just said, you know, about like the CARES Act. And that had the, the more concrete information on how to set up. So anyway, I'm going to set up a payment plan and make it an automatic payment plan so I don't have to worry about it or like worry about forgetting to pay it. So then that way when September 2020 rolls around, it won't pop back up on my credit report because it's not in collections anymore. I'm actively, you know, in, in a payment arrangement. Right. Um, I do have lots of other debt, but most of it's like medical shit, Uh, whatever, whatever that other debt is, it's not on my report. And it's not even like I'm trying to like build up a credit score so I can go get financed or like go more into debt either. Cause now I'm on this shit, this Dave Ramsey shit. And I did two sessions right before this, and I took four full pages of notes and I'm just feeling all empowered. And like for the first time, yeah, like you said, in all this time, I'm like facing the shit and not, and it's not only, does it not like feel like it sucks, but it's like, I'm feeling like really positive about it, you know? And it's, you know, part of me is going, where does that come from? But you, you just put it so beautifully with that. Like, You planted a seed. You put it in the bag. (laughs) And you
1: watered it. And you know, you watered it by all your actions of being responsible. And that, that's what you have been working on. That's what, isn't that what recovery is about is becoming responsible.
3: Learning. 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 Learning.
1: There's a lot of learning. Like I said, I have, I've been had a lot to learn to grow up, to be responsible and, and, really transformational teaching when I did EST and, and when I was 18, that whole teaching was about being responsible. And uh, so it's been in the foundation of my consciousness, knowing that becoming responsible was the path, learning that developing that growing into that takes what it takes. And so However, every step that we take makes us feel good about ourselves because we know we're on the right path. And so that's where the the joy is in the journey because by knowing that we're, like, by just you setting up a payment plan, each step you've taken, first of all, you know, just paying off, going to credit karma, every step, it's another piece of esteem. It's another piece of of attaboy. It's another piece of like, wow, I'm doing this. And and
2: even this the resistance me. now after what you just said a minute ago, like I'm even looking at like that resistance of two years and and all the times when I, I would like kind of go into panic mode or kind of an anxiety moment, you know, where I would just like all of a sudden I couldn't make sense of the words that I was hearing if people were talking to me about financial shit. Yeah, and trying to help me, um, kind of like spacing out, and
1: and do you think that spacing out is part of what we talked about earlier? The you know the trauma response of whatever stories you had. I don't know. All I know
2: is it's like weird that now you know that's kind of why I was saying is like where did that come from? But yeah, you just made it seem like that was all even. You know, this is just part of the process, right? Like It is. Without it's that, all interconnected. It. Yeah. Without
1: that, you wouldn't have gone here. And you've been unraveling, you know, you've been unraveling the survival knots within yourself, one knot at a time until all of a sudden, it's like, you know, if you have a piece of jewelry and it knots up and how long it takes to get all those knots mm-hmm. out, you keep moving one knot and then another one, and it kind of knots back up. And yeah. that survival knot that ha- knots that happen inside of us from our pain and our story and our work to unknot ourselves and it's funny because the shadow process is all about saying i am that instead of i'm not that and so the places where we're blocked is the places where we sit, where we where we have the knot and when we say i am that then we reclaim the parts of ourselves that we need. Like I am financially responsible. I, you know, and that does change our story. And so we can stay victims to our story or we can allow our story to change. And you are, and you are committed to changing your story. And that's why your story is changing.
2: It's changing. It keeps changing. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm glad that it's been a, going on the way it has been lately you know i was kind of feeling like shitty for a little while uh this winter and and uh just yeah. things things have turned around though in a big way and yep it's just been cool yeah.
1: so cool and you know the seasons we go through that and so you know it's good that the seasons are changing and spring is here and that you're feeling it you're feeling the growth and you're you know, you're feeling you're seeing it you're feeling it you're you're identifying the the power that you're connected doing more teachings more bible studies more uh you know really stepping into your the self that you love that's connected in faith and yeah. uh you know you got a great you know much better job and you're handling your finances and so you know this is this is how it's meant to be. And, you know, we face our challenges, but when it, when we're really in a, in a place, a a good place to pause, take note, say, thank you, to acknowledge it, to be present to the gratitude of where you are. And to look back and see the path of getting here and acknowledging each step that it took.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. So, like, how long were you from when you know? Did you say? I think you might answer this already. But, how long were you when you first started to learn about healing and like work, doing healing work? How long was that before you like decided you wanted to help other people do the same thing?
1: Like I said, I think I had come in and decided that because I would think I was started when I was eight years old uh, however, um, I it was when I was uh, I was thirty three I mean of course, when I was a recovery, I was always helping people you know in a lot of ways right. uh, uh, but when I was thirty three and at that time uh, I was six years married and it was 1993 and my husband, my husband, um, had, uh, of 18 years who I love and adore and he passed, uh, in 2016. And I actually found him, uh, and in a, in a blessing in his life and our life together, we completed in 2005, but you know, we were family and, uh, and he didn't die from what I'm about to tell you. Uh, but when, uh, he was, uh, we were 12 years apart and I was 33 and he was 45 and I thought he, he freaked out and I thought he was going through a midlife crisis and he wouldn't talk to me. And Debbie Ford had actually moved to San Francisco at that point and she happened to be in town and I asked if she'd, he'd speak to her. And, um, he did, because he went so dark, he wouldn't talk to anybody, just stayed home. And, um, and then he, she, came, he came in, she came on a Wednesday, and Thursday night, I was uh, laying in bed next to him, finishing reading Bridges of Madison County and crying my eyes out. And he uh, woke up and looked at me, and he said, I think I have AIDS. And at that moment, I had no fear and no thought of myself, and I put my arms around him, and I said, it's okay, we're going to heal this, and that was in 1993, and I was getting ready to have a baby. I was thinking about getting pregnant, but that just got put on the shelf, and I just became committed, because I knew we met at the park in a, in a parking lot of a meeting called Miracles Happen. And I knew that we were brought together, that we were together to be on a healing journey. I knew that. And he knew that. And we were destined to be together. And that we didn't know what it was going to be. You know, we didn't know that that's where our path was going to take us. And so in doing that, I had sold my business and I, had started to intern in an addiction treatment program. And I just decided I was going to become a therapist because even though I knew we'd heal, which we did, if something happened, I knew I'd have to support myself and that I needed to have, a, you know, my life's work. And I knew that I wanted to be a therapist. And so that's when I committed and I, and I went back to school and I would, and I got a full-time job at a mental health, a private mental health hospital, as a dual diagnosis specialist, because of my friend from the program who had gotten awesome. her master's. And yeah, and so I was able to work five days a week leading groups, like 16 groups a week. And on Saturday, I drive from Miami to Boca and I'd go to schools on Saturday. I mean, go to school on Saturday. Um, and uh, that, I did that for two years from 93 to 95. And that's when Debbie started creating the shadow process with the, at Deepak Chopra's, and, and and I went there. And then uh, I left the the hospital that I was working at. I One of my teachers, my professor, is a professor was a professor of a main big teacher in, in the field of solution focused therapy, which I loved and learned a lot about. One of the great teachings of that is the solution is never as complicated as the problem, and what the problem was, so and that the <laughs> problem, and that your problem was once a solution.
2: Oh shit!
1: So yeah, so isn't that that wants some good good wisdom there. Yeah, that's something and like, so, like that mind blowing. so that solution. That solution focused therapy wisdom, and so that I got from Barry Duncan, my teacher, but he told me then it had been twelve years in recovery. And he said, if you really want to help people, you're going to have to get outside of this, you know, you're going to have to, there's a lot of people that are going to come to you. Because solution-focused therapy doesn't believe in labels. They believe that we're all phenomenal, phenomenal, logical, and that we each have our own view of the world and that I can't keep trying applying. Now, I've 12-stepped a lot of people for my therapy chair, but I had to actually... I did leave the program and I followed Debbie Ford into on the path of healing through the shadow through embracing our shadow. And I followed her for 12 years and became a modern day missionary for the shadow process. Mm -hmm. And it just happened naturally. And we did end up through seven years healing from HIV. And I did, I didn't, I, I, I was with him for six years and never had protected sex and, and, never converted and never converted to the virus. I was Sarah opposite. It's called. And I had a strong immune system, which I still have. And um, lucky
3: you, (laughs)
1: Yeah, lucky me. And I, well, that's my, my, my karma, my journey, my path, my purpose, my Dharma. But, 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 but it, but I didn't have children and I believe that I didn't have children So that I have a lot of children. I'm like a fairy godmother to a lot of, lot of people. And I raise, this is another thing. I raise children in adult bodies and that's my work. So, uh, that from that's how I became a therapist. And that's how I turned my work, my wounds into my wisdom and my work in my, my passion into my work and my practice.
2: That's beautiful. Totally. So it started off kind of conventional, conventional education, you know, psychology, whatever, social or uh, yeah, like social I became, work kind I became of stuff. A,
1: I became a licensed mental health counselor.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: and but my master's was in human relations, which I but,
2: love. But then you moved. You decided to try this shadow thing.
1: No, um, I didn't try. My I've always been outside of the out of the box. I've I've always been. A rebel with causes
2: right and, well i guess i'm just saying like as far yeah, as like so laying I out did, a timeline of your process you know like i
1: didn't i didn't i i i was grateful that i could work at the at in, in a clinical setting yeah. which also gave me hours for my supervision and my licensure mm-hmm. but i had no plan intention to have a clinical practice i wanted to have a transformational practice right. uh and so I left the hospital and I left um,
0: and
2: pursued the and pursued
1: and I, I opened up my practice um, based on one person from the hospital uh, that she still attends the healthy love meetings. And uh, she asked me, would you please, please have practice when when I leave the, when I leave this program, the intensive outpatient program, will you be my therapist? It was happening simultaneously when I started doing the shadow work with Debbie and, and produced the shadow process and had gotten my master's. And so I left the hospital. I started my practice and that has been my path ever since.
2: Awesome. So what? and then your own problems in your own marriage then brought you into the Imago relationship therapy. You
3: got it. So what's, yeah.
2: what's that about? What's, what's, what's the uh, idea behind Imago relationship therapy?
1: So it's based, first of all, on the seminal work of Harville Hendricks, and who's a, more of a scientist, and his wife Helen LaC- Kelly Hunt. And after he'd gotten divorced, he couldn't understand why, and he really he wrote this book. Getting he developed did this work on development, the developmental journey uh, that we go through when we're born, and also how we go through that in relationship. And he wrote a book called "Getting the Love You Want" and then "Keeping the Love You Find." And there, and then he built uh, this form of therapy, a um, model relationship therapy. And there's therapists all over the world trained in it. And Oprah has had him. This is the work that he, she tout had touted for relationship work, and it's based on this theory, Jason. That it's based on the theory that. When we fall in love, there's a hidden agenda. And that that hidden agenda is what I said to you about shadow work, that our unconscious wants us to be whole, healed and whole and to finish the unfinished business of our childhood, to finish the unfinished business of our childhood, to meet the needs that weren't met, and to develop our abilities and reclaim the parts of ourselves that were lost shut down or didn't develop and we will fall in love with a person that recreates our feelings from our childhood will trigger us in those ways after we get past the the romance stage the falling in love stage the drug stage the stage you know where you're on oxytocin and you know and projecting your light and you think everything's wonderful and that is part that's part of the design that were designed to go through that, to get us to go on the journey. Falling in love isn't the journey. See, there are people who are love addicts and romance addicts that love that stage of relationship and just keep leaving a relationship the minute that they start getting triggered. And that, cause that's where the work begins, but that's the work of relationship that you're meant to do together with a partner. And uh, so that's the work that I do with uh, partners is that are committed to doing their work in service of the relationship and knowing that their relationship has this hidden agenda and that they've met the perfect person that's going to frustrate them the most and least be able to give them what they need, and that they're wow. meant to grow and develop themselves along the way so that they can grow into the who they need to be. And to get the love that they want is becoming the, to learn how to give the love that's needed. And this is the last thing I will say. That usually, You are not
2: in it. You don't have to hurry up or anything. You just keep going. I love it.
1: <laughs> the, the, but usually the person that we fall in love with and what they need from us, right? we need to learn how to give it to them. Mm-hmm. We get so defensive at the way they keep telling us, acting it out, or maybe they don't that we get stuck at the level of frustration. And that's where r- most relationships will get stuck in the stage of the power struggle. So Harville Hendricks defined that we go through stages of development just like we do when we're born, attachment, exploration, identity, and confidence. And we, when we fall in love, we go through the romantic stage and then we go through the power struggle stage like the terrible twos. And then we develop into healthy love or true love and that we have to work through that power struggle stage and that stage is is really takes a long time that power struggle stage because we're we're using our defense mechanisms like you talked about before and our, we're powering through it and we get stuck in in patterns and we act out badly and we damage and we don't know how to repair and And so, you know, there's a lot that we know now know, there once we said there were no manuals or no manuals for parenting and there's no manuals for relationships, but that's not true anymore. There are a lot of manuals. And it's just our, if we're going to pick up those manuals and learn them and get guides and teachers. And I'm just blessed that I get to do this work and I get to be a guide and a teacher and a sacred space holder for couples and for individuals that choose to be on this journey.
2: Hey, man, I, you know, I think that they're blessed to have you, you, you got so much like knowledge and, and it's just, it's insane to me. You know, I used to just be, and I still am, but it's just been a while (laughs) since I've talked to you, but in awe of of some of the things that come out of your mouth, it's like, cause I can relate to it. And it makes so much sense (laughs) when I hear it, but I could never like, you know, maybe identify in myself yeah. until I hear yeah. you talking to it. You're talking about like exactly what happened in this most recent relationship. And I thought I was ready and I, I don't know. It's just, it was weird. I like thought that she didn't like, like really like me anymore. I felt like she thought I was like, like she talked down to me and like, I felt like I was like, she thought I was stupid or something. And I was, Telling myself like, what did you say? How did you put it? Like, we'll create that story, right? Yeah. And I convinced myself somehow, some way, right? Um, but it's weird because, like, I couldn't identify what was going on. You know, well, but Jason, uh, what you should, talk about it is like, bam,
1: bam, right? Well, that's why we need. Listen, I could have listened to Debbie speak forever. I'm sad that she passed in 2013, um, but. Uh, I was able to drink in all of her wisdom and she had gobs of it. And uh, when we hear, we need to hear it repetitively. The shadow work we need, there's something that in hearing it, it helps us identify with it. It's the same thing like recovery, you know, like you could hear the same thing over and over, but there's just one day where you hear that, that line or that passage or that, that step or that promise. And it just clicks. Um, and that, and that, like I said before, and you just identified it, that she didn't make you feel that. I mean, yes, she did. She triggered that in you. You already had felt that, that I'm unloved and that I'm stupid and you don't like me. That's an old part of you that got activated right. in the relationship. And she started condescending to you, probably in the ways that she did, and maybe she felt condescended to by you. Because usually, when you're in a shadow, it's something that goes back and forth. Yeah, and so you know, I know you I was it,
2: triggering stuff with her too, and like, right? I if felt, you
1: spot it, you got it.
2: And I know? felt like I didn't know what why you know, like I didn't think I was doing anything that should be you know, like I, I was really honestly, I felt like I was trying to you know be a good right. partner and stuff, but
1: And I'm sure was, you were too. it just
2: it was frustrating, man, like for me and and I wouldn't say I like ran I didn't have my running shoes on. I didn't like run away immediately from it or nothing like that. But right. uh definitely it was like it built. It built for a while and eventually yeah. I just shut down. I'm like I was exhausted with with exhausted. To work it yeah. out, you know. And I think you're so right though that it was like you know Maybe I just need to develop the muscles. And like, oh yeah, that's what I was going to say. That thing you said about like the love addicts, like that they like that beginning part and they don't like it when it gets hard. Maybe maybe I'm one of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? You know what? (laughs) Maybe, just maybe. And you know what? That connects to the addict and the thing that you were saying that your therapist taught you about delayed gratification and there's another thing that I'm going to add in there. You probably talked about it in therapy. It's called frustration tolerance and developing frustration tolerance.
2: I never and, heard that before.
1: And that we we need to learn how to develop. That's a need as a child. And if we didn't have a parent who had frustration tolerance, then we didn't learn how to have frustration
3: tolerance. And
1: <laughs> I'm so, laughing at
2: myself. Cause I'm over here. I'm like, I've been taking some notes for your show notes, you know, that like you've seen me, but this was, now here I go again. I'm starting to take notes for me, you know, it's <laughs> to Rachel. Good I
3: stuff.
2: love
1: that. Thank you, Jason. So, so yeah. So frustration tolerance in relationship and, and that, uh, that love addict of loving that stage where you were only seen in the light. And everything was love and light. and Oh, you're so good and you're so smart and you're so wise and you're so deep and you're so this and you're so sexy and you're so, you know, it's like all of the good. We love being in that light projection. And uh, that's the power of falling in love is we're in light projection, projecting all the things that we, we love onto that person, you know. And so, but when when that stop, when that, when that, gets overtaken because then all of a sudden you get annoyed by something
2: <laughs> sorry i don't know that's an uncomfortable laugh <laughs> that's
1: the shadow laugh the shadow always laughs um yeah. and so it has to which is great because it's how it releases <laughs> itself but yeah that's what we do and so we get annoyed we get frustrated we get pissed off and And we don't know what to do with that. A lot of us, we, you know, that's, that's the work. We don't know what to do in relationship with that and how to deal with that and how to, how to identify our triggers, how to uh, process it, uh, and then how to identify what the need is and how to communicate it. And so we tend to either retreat and shut down or attack. And you know that's the pursuer and the distancer. So, I mean, these are so many lectures about. Under right. there's so much to learn here, but it's part of the dance, and it's why people shut, why relationships end up breaking down. Sadly, is not knowing how to do how to deal with it. Right.
2: Yeah. So that's like awesome, Amago relationship. Wisdom.
3: Therapy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And then, so you took all of it and you made healthy love.
1: Yes. I took all of, I took transformation, recovery wisdom, Imago relationship, shadow work, um, Imago relationship therapy, and I integrated those as the four pillars for healthy love. My path was transformation from the time I was 18 and had done Est and worked in the centers and assisted and It later became Landmark, if you've ever heard of Landmark. Those are transformational seminars. So I started with transformation. And then when I was 25, just turning 25, um, I walked onto the path of recovery of 12 steps. And I did that uh, from 85 until uh, 92 two um, 93 92 was when I started doing shadow work with Debbie and um, graduated and became a therapist and and I lived my life devoted to shadow work and did that until 2000 and in 2000 uh, I still was fighting with my my with henry i was still fighting with my husband, and still defense still still such a defensive asshole even though i had embraced a, a thousand shadows and um and i had to learn i had to learn how to become non-defended and non-reactive that well i think the, i
2: think that. uh something that you you know you are a human you know what I mean yeah we can do we can do so much we can learn so much and we can grow so much but I think you know we're still gonna make mistakes we're still gonna struggle we're still gonna have yeah, to
1: yeah we're still that well you know what est what est had you do when I was 18 years old in that seminar which was one of the profound intense work it was a it was a week And you did one weekend, a whole weekend where you couldn't have a bathroom break. I mean, it was just like 12 hours a day. They put you up against all your comfort zones and it was deep work. And then Wednesday night and then the following weekend, and it was all the final parts of it was being able to stand up and say that you're an asshole and be okay with that.
3: Right and, on. you
1: know, and so uh, that to be a human is to be an asshole and to, yeah. it's also to be a genius and it's also to be a saint and a sinner. And that's what shadow work teaches us, that we're all we're everything. But the and the hundred penit- things,
2: right? Like you said earlier. Like-
1: yeah. And so the ego doesn't like to think of itself as an asshole. It's like, I'm the best. And that's what narcissism is about. And that's why we have a narcissistic president that actually shows us uh, what narcissism looks like because we were raised in a narcissistic age and that doesn't want to admit we're wrong, that wants everybody only to say positive things, that over-exaggerates everything and lies and doesn't care, and everything is fake that isn't good about what we think is good, and that um, that wounded ego. And so, you know, how do we heal that wounded ego and have the humility to see ourselves and go, I, I could be an asshole. And, you know, Alanis Morissette did the shadow work. Uh, she became She did the coaching program, and then she went on to do imago relationship therapy work and got trained in that.
2: Seriously, and, really?
1: Seriously. Wow. And yeah, and she wrote two songs.
2: Do so you that, like know her? Yeah. Nice. And,
1: yeah, she wrote two songs that sum up uh, shadow work and imago work, and the one song is called Everything. And the other song is called This Grudge. We would use both of them in the shadow process. And um, Debbie and I like to believe that, you know, while Alanis was going through all that shadow work, that that music came through her and because it's so profound. It is. It so profoundly describes our shadow process and, uh, you know, everything. You love my light and you love my dark yeah i'll put um, that
2: in the show notes and i'll check it out because i don't know if i know it or not maybe but uh i know she's coming out with a new album or something or she's got a new tour coming i've seen something about it on a line the other week and i was like no shit man yeah
1: she said that she's A poet of our, our, like Bob Dylan was. I mean, I, I, I think what Bob Dylan, like, I think Alanis Morissette gave voice and anthem to uh, the rage that women felt. Um, And you know, and um, trying to think of the song, you know, like uh, from her first album. Uh, I date myself calling it an album,
3: Uh, (laughs) and uh, and
1: and she's and, got a
2: pretty kind of a lot of anger and quite a few of those songs off of that for that jagged well, little, pillow. <laughs>
3: jagged
2: little
1: pill. Thank you. I'm just having a brain fart. Um, oh, good. Uh, I used to yeah, but, get but, it
2: shoved but, down my ear hole by my uh first wife's mother and I hated it at the time. I'm not going to lie. Hated Alanis Morissette's music at that time. And uh, I when I, when I grew older, all of a sudden it's awesome to me now, you know, and it's weird. Yeah, it's poetry. I just well, think she I gave emotional,
1: to it well she gave emotional experience or emotional pain a voice right. and she's just so genius you think I'm good with words I mean nobody I, I love her her language her ability like in, in ironic you know um isn't it ironic uh yeah just the way that she juxtaposes everything yeah. and so is isn't and is isn't it ironic it's so life right? right you know meeting the man of my dreams and then meeting his beautiful wife yeah. you know it's, it's like the, it's just ironic you know and then you know the, the man that you know then the minute then he touched down and says isn't that nice you know when the plane dives and he has his you know, got his whole life together. You know, it's like getting your glasses. You got to brush up and,
2: on your Atlantis Morris. At least. It's a, and
1: you get the fly <laughs> in, the, in your Chardonnay. You know, it's like yeah. the the you know, it's like the the things that happen. And so yeah, you no, know, I just haven't listened in a while. And every single about-
2: person that listens to this is going to get the damn song stuck in their head now.
1: I know isn't true. Isn't don't that how think? our brain works? Yeah, don't you think? Uh, <laughs> I really do think so. Yeah. Um, so Jason, what's up? Thank you.
0: Yeah, thank, thank you. You. For,
1: you know, you know the way out. Tell me a little bit. I would like to turn this around for you and ask you about this podcast and what was the inspiration for it. And I know that you came to it later in the game.
2: Oh yeah. But I know the story. I know I can, I can enlighten you. So Charles, uh, he had been in recovery in the past, but he was doing it for all the wrong reasons. You know, he was doing it to appease the wife. He was doing it to, you know, you know, shut people up essentially. Um, he found very quickly that first run at recovery that he had a had an ability to retain the information that he was hearing and he could verbalize it so he was always going to meetings uh looking for the power share and and trying to blow people's minds but he was spewing a lot of stuff out of his mouth that didn't have any personal significance to him because he wasn't doing the work and then uh obviously had gone through he left it and then he you know his life went to shit his marriage went to shit everything was all fucked up and he he uh came back and this time he shut his mouth and he learned right Uh, and he listened and he did the work and i i guess one of his like resentments to himself was for the way that he handled himself and how he felt like he cheated the people in this program because he really wasn't listening to hear or understand he was listening to remember and regurgitate and and so he started this show on the premise of wanting to get other people's stories out there i don't think he shared much about his own experience until a ways into it there's an episode that is his story because he was getting emails and a lot of comments from people saying you know why don't you tell what about you you. right but he was like this isn't about me and that kind of like was went against the grain of what his whole inspiration was to start it yeah um i think he was inspired his inspiration was from uh a fellow podcaster that's the share podcast omar pinto and he's his show is awesome i've been on his show as well uh but the way out, the name was actually—it's our show is named the Way Out Podcast because the original working title for the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous was supposed to be the Way Out.
3: Oh,
2: and it I got love that. and it got I shot. Down. I didn't know it either. I mean, That's
1: great. I love that. But I always yeah. love learning new the new gems. That's a gem, right? Uh, so, so he so, so named he, it, it the came, Way Out. The, it came out of his humility of being of, of see there's gold in the dark. There's light yeah. in everything that what right. he went through created this.
2: Yeah. It's and I think his, I was part uh, of his
1: re- recipe.
2: Episode 31 was my first time ever doing a podcast. It was weird. Cause I met this girl. I was speaking at Anthony Lewis center. It was a treatment center for adolescents in Minnesota in Blaine, Minnesota. And, uh, I went with my friend, Leon, to speak for these kids. And, uh, we met this woman, Tracy there. I had never met her before. She was really cool. We, we all spoke together to these kids is, a uh, um, boys and girls in there for this treatment center or whatever. And, uh, yeah. So Tracy was like, Oh, you know, we're talking, we're getting to know each other after. And, uh, exchange numbers and stuff. And then she told me that like, she just did this show, you know. And she was like, so she sent me the link. She's like, listen to it, but she's like, it's not that good. Like I suck, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, whatever, I'm gonna check it out. I can't wait. And uh listening to her show, that was really moving. But at the end, or yeah, I think it was at the end of it, he has a bit in there that says, you know, if you want to share your your story, just email me at, you know, share at wayoutcast.com. And, uh, I'll get you on the show. And I'm like, I don't know why, cause I was pretty new. It was like five and a half months clean. I felt like I got, I got to do that. So I emailed him and I, I went out to his place and I was on, on the show. And then, you know, fast forward a year and a half or whatever it was, two years. He was coming up on his hundredth episode. He wanted to revamp the show. He wanted to change the format. He wanted to do something different. So he he had posted something on Sober and Serious, which is a Facebook group that's like twenty eight thousand people in it. Uh, It's sobriety community, you know. And he's like, anybody want to? He's like, I'm looking for a new one or two possible co hosts for the show. Hit me up if interested. And the only people that showed any, any real, like, at all. And I wasn't even, I just was like, say what? And I, I private messaged him. And he's like, you want to take this to the next level with me, dude? And I'm like, sure.
3: Wow,
1: oh, Jesus. And,
2: and uh, the other kid, the only person that actually was like, yeah, I want to do that, was my first sponsee. No way. Yeah, named Alex. And Alex was on from, like, episode 97 until I think maybe, like, no way. I don't know, one ten or he—he he didn't stick around too long. He was going through some personal stuff. He stepped away from it, but he's a great kid. And yeah, it's just weird how it worked. Like, out oh, and I'm like, this is not a mistake, Alex. No. That you're Divine here destiny. and I'm here.
1: Divine destiny.
2: And you're my first sponsor. This is a trip, man. It's a trip.
1: Isn't it a trip? It really yeah. is. I
2: it's, think it's I'm all
1: a mystery tour. It really is.
2: Like you said, it's that. It's a divinely,
1: divinely uh, designed, divinely
2: created. Yeah. There you go. There you go. I was going to say a divine appointment.
1: Divine appointment. I love that. Same I, I think that's yeah, divine appointment. I love that. I think that's from either Unity or Louise Hay, but divine appointment by divine appointment.
2: Yeah, I heard it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Probably one of my <laughs> eleven inpatient treatments. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> by by divine design, Uh that it clearly clearly the synchronicity the, that you were called to it and, and that yeah. you, that you answered. You answered the call. Yeah, when he
2: asked me, I'm like, sure. But I was scared shitless kind of, you know. Just like the first time he asked me, you want to do, do a solo interview, I was scared shitless. And that was awesome. Like Casey Ryan. I'll never forget that as long as I live. Really? Yeah, of course, yep. you're
3: first. Never
2: yeah. met, never met her before in my life. Uh, she had an amazing story all about like stepping through fear and uh wow. Yeah. You know, it was all about like taking risks and recovery and it was it was awesome, man. And I was like so moved by it and you know, we had the best conversation and I was like that that went really good, you know, but I was so was I was like, so freaked out dude before I did it cuz I'm like I don't know how to interview people.
1: Oh, Jason.
2: That's so awesome.
3: Wonderful.
2: But yeah, I'm going to put I was going to put in your show notes probably and let me know if you don't think I should, but that Creating Your Best Year by Debbie Ford. Um uh yeah, The
1: Best Year. It's called The Best Year.
2: Oh, that's what it's called. The Best called Year. The
1: best year best okay. uh, year of your life and uh, is it called "Creating the best year I, yeah I'm with my brain I'll find um, it yeah yeah no, I, I know it but you know it's called best year and um, you, you, yeah you could put that in you could put the
2: artist's uh, way what the artist's way
1: the artist's way
2: getting the love but, you want keeping the, the love, love you want getting the
1: love you want Marvel Hendrix um, who is it you could put in what
2: what's the dude's name
1: H A R V is in Victor I L L E. Last name Hendrix H E N D R I X. Gotcha. Getting, getting the love you want is the is the book. Okay. Um. Keeping and it. you could. Uh, yeah, that's good. And then the and dark then side of the, the dark side of the light chasers is Debbie Ford's is is the shadow process in a book.
2: Oh, okay. The Dark Side of the Light Chasers. Awesome. That'll go in there. And, uh, yeah, we'll definitely, of course, plug the show, put that link in there as well. Uh, Or not the show, the damn meeting. I don't know why I keep calling it. I just looked at it like my favorite part was the beginning when Rachel would go off for 20, 30 minutes. And then, you know, the sharing was good. but. I, I was like, I need my notebook out for when Rachel talks. So that's why I think of it like it's a show. because
3: Well, yeah,
1: and so does others. But really what I'm building and this is the year is the Healthy Love program. And that it awesome. is a 12-step program. And so for Healthy You're going to be love,
2: writing literature and it's going to be its whole thing. It's going to be a thing.
1: Yeah, I am. I awesome. Am. It's going to be a whole thing.
2: <laughs> I'm super grateful for you. I'm proud of what you're doing. I'm glad you're getting some of that stuff done, you know, like uh, to to build it, uh, yeah. as you put. Good for you. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best.
1: Oh, Jason, you. thank you. I take that. My heart takes that in. This has been a divine, divine time and sacred time and i'm so grateful for our relationship from the moment that you started coming uh to healthy love and through it and then to be here and to see you doing your you know your dev- your work what you're meant to be doing and to be doing this with you all
2: and, right take care uh, and yeah, all you out there listening up. Thank you for uh, joining us, and I hope that you find something that helps you in your recovery. Yeah, we pray that. It's
0: true. Thank you. Peace. Thank you for being a part of The Way Out. We appreciate your ears. We're sharing powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics every week, so keep listening up. If you would like to reach out to the show, you can visit us on the web at wayoutcast.com. That's wayoutcast, all one word, There you can subscribe to The Way Out Podcast on all of the major podcast aggregators, such as iTunes, CastBox, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podbean, Overcast, and more. Or simply drop your hosts a friendly email at share at wayoutcast.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, contact us at share at wayoutcast.com. See you next time. And remember, if you don't change, your sobriety date will.